doesn't know it. All right, man. Welcome to Pro Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 482. It's me and Jason today, and we're going to be covering a kind of, it's a joke I made a long time ago that's really not funny. Uh, we used to say Moon Manson Woodstock, which is meant to encompass the end of the 60s. And it means so much more than most people comprehend. And directly, it has to do with comprehending what the news does. And not just the news. I mean, a- anywhere where big events are being pushed out into the world. Uh, right now, we've got a queue up for a ridiculous alien invasion that people will probably buy into. Right now in the news, lo and behold, in the 21st century, of course, China is spying on us with balloons. Or I'll just ask the question. You can figure it out for yourself. Is it more likely that they got caught? with a satellite that was hanging from a balloon. You know, those things that are supposed to be in outer space? Just saying. We have to get into the mindset where you have, if you're not already there, and I know a lot of people are that listen here are already there. If you're working to get there, you have to immediately put a checklist or put rules into your mind that help to insulate you from this nonsense. And this is based on what's about to come in our world. We are about to see change at a level that we can only speculate at. When news reports a thing, let's ask a simple question. Do they know what's going to happen on the tail of what they've done? When they report some big haughty event of any kind, are they aware of what they're putting into the mindstream of the world? And for that matter, why is it that we only ever hear about horrible things? Why don't we hear about all the beneficial and amazing things that go on in this world? You have to begin to frame And what we're going to do is use these events, the Moon, Manson, and Woodstock. Most people don't even have a comprehension of the timeline. Basically, from July to August, the entirety of what was happening in the world was just switched around into a new paradigm. The counterculture, the anti-war movement, the peace, love movement, all, bang, wall built, stops, 69. The clean cut division of the decades we've shown you. It's just that this one is quite, quite stark. Jason, I don't know if you want to add anything. Uh, welcome aboard. You have anything you want to say before we jump into this? Uh, there's Klingons off the starboard bow. Scrape them off, Jim. <laughs> that's, you know, I, I shouldn't be laughing because that's part of the queue up. Things you can ancillarily see being queued up. It's almost like they, with the internet, we should always keep in mind. If a powerful place had nothing more than search stats, they would have perfect operating instructions. When they float out the idea of aliens, they immediately see how many people searched for aliens. They've got bots. When you are in comments section, there is more than a 50% chance now that you are talking to a freaking bot. I just saw it on my little tiny, well, I've got almost 200,000 followers on YouTube that I don't use because I can't because everything we put up is censored. So I put up a bumper. Not too long ago, what happened? All of a sudden, all these comments start populating about how rich they got on crypto. So the minute I saw them, the bell didn't ring. I knew something was wrong. So I went and looked at all the accounts. It's bots. So I blocked them all. I got two more comments on the next clip, blocked them all, and then it quit. Uh, What's going on here is control at a level that can be measured before they do it. They're doing spy balloons. They're doing a possible queue up for war with China. They're doing aliens. And if they had nothing more than search returns, how many searches 
or is coming in on this. And then they put their unleash their bots to further the ideas. I'm just saying we've got to grow up beyond hearing things and accepting them or even letting them affect our lives. With that, Jason, uh, let's just jump in and see what we can do here. Several heavy events in the last half of 1969 brought the peace and love ideals of the 1960s to a screeching halt. The first would be the Apollo moon missions, ushering in a new era of space travel and the way of the future. The second would be the incidents regarding Charles Manson and his family, who would become infamous for a series of murders being attributed to them. The third is the Woodstock Music Festival, which was a giant hippie festival on the surface, but had many social engineering aspects to it that helped with the destruction of the 1960s narrative. One final event worth mentioning is the Altamont Concert and its tragic events of violence held on December 6th, 1969. The 1960s were officially over after that. And I mean, bang, like someone took a chainsaw and cut the decade off at the end. For people who were there, it can't be overstated. There's so many things here. As we have covered, the whole music movement was a Tavistock construction. On this side of the pond, you might want to say that it's a military industrial complex, but it doesn't matter. They're all hand in hand. They're all very resonant in the messaging and the controlling and what they're doing. And it was so successful that I can't imagine any other psychological engineering operation being more successful. It echoes on into the generations. The other thing is, is all of a sudden, the whole world has changed. We travel in space now. No, we don't. No, we do not. There is nothing on Mars. These damn balloons are the satellites that they're claiming that are in space. And then we get to Manson. And here's another thing. It became such kind of a cult thing. There are complete channels that do nothing but go around to the supposed murder locations. That's how sick and embedded in the human mind this is. But what happened on the tail of Manson was all those peace, love hippies, that we're going to do you know, this big show and millions of people showed up. There wasn't a problem. It was truly peace and love. That changes on a dime. For the first time in America, you see iron bars go up on windows. You start to see the neighborhood that used to know who all the neighbors were. That all starts to dissolve on the tail of the Manson skit. So as we get in here, I'll try to section it off as I'm able, but the Altamont concert is a crazy, crazy thing. That is the exclamation point on the end of the 60s where everything is truly done. How it was done, I suspect, fits the downward model. Altamont was a speedway. Go ahead online right now, because I did, and try to look up anything about the Altamont Speedway. What you will find is the name was changed six times. What you will find is there's almost no history. What you will find is there were major NASCAR events held at the Speedway, and yet there is precious little information. I suspect what was done, and this is my point of view, is that if we apply what Downer told us, there was something special about the geography. Probably people had been killed at a Speedway. They were leveraging in an occult, dark manner off probably, I am guessing, the death that had occurred there formerly to put more power behind the spell that was Altamont. There you go, Jason. Let's start with the official moon narrative. The Apollo 11 mission 
which is said to have launched on July 16th and lasted until July 24th, 1969, was the American spaceflight that first landed humans on the moon. Commander Neil Armstrong and Lunar Module pilot Buzz Aldrin landed the Apollo Lunar Module Eagle on July 20th, 1969 at 2017 UTC, and Armstrong became the first person to step onto the moon's surface six hours and 39 minutes later on July 21st at 2.56 UTC. Aldrin joined him 19 minutes later, and they spent about two and a quarter hours together exploring the site they had named Tranquility Base upon landing. Armstrong and Aldrin collected 47.5 pounds of lunar material, to bring back to Earth as pilot Michael Collins flew the command module Columbia in lunar orbit and were on the moon's surface for 21 hours, 36 minutes, before lifting off to rejoin Columbia. Boy, that's a long work shift. Let's just ask a simple question, because the main point of what we're doing here is not to recover the moon. We did over 12 hours of space nonsense back in the day. Anyone can go back and get at those episodes. Is this true? Let's just ask the question, does anyone listening still have an idea that maybe this is just conspiracy nonsense? Maybe it really happened. Are you thinking in that way? If you're thinking in that way, then this entire episode is aimed at you to try to help you to form ways of thinking about things that make you more insulated from the main weapon of our era, which is deception. In this era called the information age, it is not actually the information age. It is actually the disinformation age. And in this, the reach of information has become unimaginable. But the foundation of that information is built on deception. And this is nothing new. It's just that in the 60s where we are, it's really starting to get its legs. And if you notice, these are bang, 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 Moon, Manson, Woodstock. Like, look at this one. Okay, quit looking at this one. Look at this one. Okay, quit looking at this one. Now look at this one. It's just a rapid succession that follows the Tavistockian model that gets you off kilter. There's no way that you can find level if you're invested in all this. And pretty soon your brain just gives up and you just want to go sit on a couch and have a beer somewhere, literally. There's studies that show this, but let's finish where I was going. Did this happen? If you come to the realization that this did not happen, then this should change everything you are ever told by authority for the rest of your life. This is the dawning of the space age. This is the first time human beings, having spent Lord knows how much what they like to call blood and treasure, had to beat the Russians. There's your China for that era and do this thing. And a human being left this world and stood on a new one. If that is incorrect and that was a fabricated lie, then how, how can you ever use information of mass propagation ever again to shape your worldview? For that matter, how can you even listen to it? It's a thing Fortune likes to tell me because I don't, I don't listen to the news. So Fortune likes to tease me saying you're uninformed, which is true, but he's doing it because he knows I know the rest of the cliche. If you don't listen to the news, you are uninformed. If you do listen to the news, you are misinformed. So there's that. Quote, Freemasonry is a fraternity within a fraternity, an outer organization concealing an inner brotherhood of the elect. 
it is necessary to establish the existence of these two separate and yet interdependent orders, the one visible and the other invisible. The visible society is a splendid camaraderie of free and accepted men enjoined to devote themselves to ethical, educational, fraternal, patriotic, and humanitarian concerns. The invisible society is a secret and most august, defined as of majestic dignity and grandeur, fraternity, whose members are dedicated to the service of a mysterious arcanum arcandrum, defined as a secret, a mystery. And this comes from Manly P. Hall, Lectures on Ancient Philosophy. All right, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this either because we have done Freemasonry Six Ways to Sunday. People can go back and catch those. But let's take a wider view of what Jason just laid down. If you spiritually search in this world, and I am going to say of any tradition that has been around for quite a while that matters. And when I say that matters, what I'm saying is that the most minds are invested. The reason is, is because our consciousness shapes this world. If you get a lot of minds invested in a thing, hint, 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 the news, then that becomes real at some level because you can measure thoughts. So even if I'm believing in a lie, it now exists at some level. Getting back to the secret society and the point of where I was going there is we're all connected here. One of the best examples, which I've said so many times, I'll say it one more time because it is such an apt example. A man is plowing a field. He uncovers an earthworm. A bird comes down and eats the worm. The observer, in this case, Gautama Buddha, uh, says, oh my God, I've had an epiphany. Every All life is, is interconnected in this realm. This is true. It is observably, logically, spiritually, you can work it out. We are all connected in this realm. So when you put a secret organization, by the very definition of what you are doing, you're going counter to the spiritual reality of this place. And while people can think of these compelling reasons, like this thing is so powerful that we're hiding, if the masses got it, all hell would break loose. You can put any rationale on it that you want. But the point is, is that humans are fallible. We just are, and power corrupts. So these secrets almost always end up being misused. And this is just standard logic that we can apply. So when we see as we move into this new era where all of our consciousness is expanding, the idea from places like Kali Yuga is that we're coming out of a dark age where we had about 25% of our virtue as a human species. This next place that we're supposedly going up to, we gain back 50% of human virtue. These things that we're looking at now are based in gross material matter and run contrary to the spiritual realities that this place is. Of the three members of the Apollo 11 crew, Buzz Aldrin is an acknowledged Freemason. This next part is taken from the Scottish RightMJ.org website. On the crest of the Apollo 11 mission to the moon, the Grand Master of Texas approved Brother Aldrin's request to open a representation of the Grand Lodge of Texas on the moon and thereby establish Masonic territorial jurisdiction there. He also asked Buzz to carry a special deputation on his journey. Aldrin signed this deputation and confirmed that it was indeed carried to the moon. Aldrin also carried a handmade silk Masonic flag with him 
on his space journey, embroidered with the words Supreme Council, 33rd Degree, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. After his mission on September 16, 1969, Brother Aldrin visited the House of the Temple in Washington, D.C., and presented the flag to Grand Commander Luther Smith. The flag is now located in the archives of the House of the Temple. So I don't know how common this knowledge was back closer to when this supposedly happened. I don't think it was as out front as it is now. But what we know now is some of the ideas that were being floated is we're going to the moon and no one can own it. This is for all mankind. The supposed first words, you know, one step for me, one giant leap for everybody. And here we have a secret society putting a claim in. And this should tell you what's going on. Let's go back to the question, did they land on the moon? If you come to the comprehension that they did not, then what does it tell you about these secret organizations which seem to have their hand in everything? We live in a Fugazi existence. The reason we live in a Fugazi existence is because we're at the low side of the wheel. It's a bit of a dark age. I suspect we're coming out of that dark age. And in coming, if that is correct, coming out of a dark age means we've got to correct things like this. This place is all interconnected. It appears that there was a massive lie told and this secret society put its flag on that lie. The problem is, is the secret society is in absolutely everything that is at any level. There were two moon missions in the year of 1969. Apollo 12, which lasted from November 14th until the 24th, 1969, was the sixth crewed flight in the United States Apollo program and the second to land on the moon. It was launched on November 14th, 1969 by NASA from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Commander Charles Pete Conrad and Lunar Module Pilot Alan L. Bean performed just over one day and seven hours of lunar surface activity while Command Module Pilot Richard F. Gordon remained in lunar orbit. One day and seven hours, that was a long work shift, right? How many people remember that the predecessor to the supposed Apollo mission, which is a bit weird, right? Apollo's typically identified with the sun, which is also weird because it would be Helios that was actually the sun. Somehow Apollo took that mantle, but his twin sister Artemis would be better suited to the moon. Oh, wait a minute. Now, as we speak today, the new moon missions have the twin sister Artemis on them. But how many people remember Gemini? Gemini is the mercurial idea, the mind idea. And I guess if I wanted to stretch it out, the duality, um, <laughs> are we talking about the, the duality between what's real and what's not? But the Mercury missions kicked it off. And that's actually what I meant to say is the mind idea, the messenger so they kicked off this whole, we're going to lie about space and spend Lord knows how much money and war Lord knows how many minds. It has begun with Mercury and Mercury is the messenger. It's the mind idea. And this is what we now have to leave behind. As we head right now, we are recording this on February 15, 2023 here in Rhode Island, where I live. My equinox, as is usually true, will be informed by St. Patrick, right? Because when the church took over, they just rebranded what was already known. So there was an equinox, which was heavily celebrated for important reasons. They rebranded it with St. Pete or St. Patrick. 
My point being is when we pass this point this year, all the energies above our heads are shifting. And for the first time in a long time, the top-down control that we've been suffering under, so to speak, well, we've been allowing ourselves to suffer under, it's shifting. There is a true possibility that that top-down control can start to come apart and more power be designated for people plotting their own trajectory in this world. I don't know how else to say it. I'm kind of dancing around it. The point I'm making is we have to change now. We have to get better. We have to quit listening to all this nonsense. We have to quit shaping our worldview. We have to recognize that we're all connected and that we have to take care of each other and that we have to stand against tyranny. If we do these things now, there is true reason for hope that things will shift out. Unfortunately, all of us listening here are the ones existing in this time of change, which is never easy. My point being, these old lies have to be buried now. We have to come to terms with them. We have to recognize them for what they are. And we have to get up off our butts right now and start standing up for what is true and correct. Moving into the next decade, we have the ill-fated Apollo 13. The following is from Bill Cooper's NASA Masonic Conspiracy. All names, missions, landing sites, and events in the Apollo space program echoed the occult metaphors, rituals, and symbology of the Illuminati's secret religion. The most transparent was the faked explosion on the spacecraft Apollo 13, named Aquarius, which is the New Age, at 1.13 or 1313 military time, on April 13, 1970, which was the metaphor for the initiation ceremony involving the death, which is the explosion, placement in the coffin, which is the period of uncertainty of their survival, and the communion with the spiritual world and the imparting of esoteric knowledge to the candidate, which is the orbit and observation of the moon without physical contact. Rebirth of the initiate, which is the solution of problem and repairs, and the raising up of the phoenix, the new age of Aquarius, by the grip of the lion's paw, which is the re-entry and recovery of Apollo 13. 13 is the number of death and rebirth, death and reincarnation, sacrifice, the phoenix, the Christ or the perfected soul imprisoned in matter, and the transition from the old to the new. Another revelation to those who understand the symbolic language of the Illuminati is the hidden meaning of the names of the space shuttles, a Columbian enterprise to endeavor for the discovery of Atlantis, and all challengers shall be destroyed. And it was. The space shuttle challenger was destroyed, as was Bill Cooper, for telling the world the things that he told the world. Within this, we see a 311, which is where I marked the beginning of Covidius Minimus, encoded into the kind of Aquarian new idea. Uh, isn't it interesting that 311 has the 13 idea, the death and rebirth in it? But what's going on here? What, why, why all this, Bill Cooper? What, what are they doing here? Well, let's ask the honored. They're casting a spell. Here we go. Bippity boppity boo. Abracadabra. They're casting a spell. What's it going to require for this spell to have some gravity? Well, there's another made-up idea, but let's use it. To have some gravity in this world, what's going to be required? We're going to need some emotion, and we're going to need a crap load of human minds to believe it. Because this lie doesn't exist. But once everyone believes it, mind shapes reality. 
Mind precedes all reality. I can measure it. Go ahead. Think the thought. We can measure it. Exists in the world now. That's how this works. This is all being done by people with literally zero power. And they are convincing you to surrender your power to their ends. It's a spell. That's why this is being done. If we go into the new era as the energies above are shifting in our favor in a big way, and we continue to be used in spells, we may be going another 100 or 200 years in a very unhappy predicament. This all has to stop, and we have to recognize what's true and what is not true. We can't be children scared in the dark any further. Kenneth Samuel Kleinecht, who was born July 24th, 1919 in Washington, D.C., and passed away November 20th, 2007, worked for the United States National Advisory Committee on Aeronautics as an engineer and continued at NASA to become a manager of the Mercury, Gemini, Apollo CSM, Skylab, Shuttle, and Space Lab. After retiring from NASA, he worked for Lockheed Martin for nine years. The following is from Freemason of the Day. Brother and illustrious Sovereign Grand Inspector General Kenneth Samuel Kenny Kleinecht, 33rd degree, was the son of Sovereign Grand Commander C. Frederick Kleinecht, 33rd degree, and brother of Sovereign Grand Commander C. Frederick Kleinecht Jr., 33rd degree. Kenneth S. Kleinecht started his career in 1942 at the Lewis Research Center after graduating from Purdue University with a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering. In 1951, Kleinecht transferred to the Flight Research Center in Edwards, California. After NASA formed, he then transferred to the Manned Spacecraft Center in Houston in 1959. Before being named the manager of the Mercury Project, Kleinecht was active in the national air races, served as supervisor for a number of avionics tests at Lewis, and was the head of the project engineering station for the X-1E. So here we are again. We've got secrets, secret society folks up in the highest echelons of things that are going to shape our world. But They have the technology to back what they're doing. When they say aeronautics, well, they're lying about space. They're not lying about a lot of things. They have some pretty serious technology. But again, we have the secret society. How about we do this? Why don't we, Jason, just tell people what the big secret of Freemasonry is? For that matter, why don't we just tell everybody right now what the big secret of every encoded religion in this world is? Why don't we just say it? What do you think? We'll just do it, okay? It's the sun. Okay, is everybody amazed now? The Elysian Mysteries? It's the sun. Freemasonry? The May sun? It's the sun. The encoding in the religions we all grew up with? It's the sun. The encodings in the religions on the other side of the world that we're not so familiar with? It is the sun. So you found the light. (laughs) There, There it is. The light of this world has been discovered. I don't know how we had so much trouble finding it. But here we are again, this illusion, this suppression of what should be obvious as we head into the new era, assuming that we get our footing again, and assuming that truly we are headed back to 50% virtue as a species, the mystery of what the sun is will no longer be a mystery and what it represents in this place. It's the light of this world. It gives us heat. It gives us spiritual influence and guarantees that as the eras shift, we consciously shift with it. 
It is the arbiter of life and existence. It gives freely, freely. Everything that it gives to this world is given freely, unlike these jokers. When are you finally told you got to be 33rd degrees before someone says, guess what? It's the sun. I don't know. I don't care to know. But we are being given everything about this encoded, hidden, lied about thing that we can see every day called the sun. Everything it imparts to this world is given freely. And why is that true? Well, because all of us listening were granted the divine spark of life. That's a gift beyond gifts. We were granted in this realm, in this 3D reality, free will. And with free will comes creative power. And with free will and creative power, the biggest tests we will ever undergo in this situation because we have free will, the decisions we make, the things we choose to do or not to do. Lastly, another big one, we are all have been granted as beneficiaries of this realm. And what is the light of this realm? There it is. You've just been told the secret of the eons and decades from the Elysian mysteries all the way back to or all the way forward to masonry and every major religion in between, every one of them. And don't be fooled. I'm not saying that is the entire secret of every religious tradition. I'm saying that's one level of the meaning that's been put below the surface narratives. The surface narratives, like we're going to the moon, like read the stories in scripture, those are meant to weed out people who are not ready to go more. If you were a Mason, you would be way below 33rd degree. When you're ready to go beyond these simple narratives, then you learn more. And in their secret way, they give you a little title that you can drag along with you. But you you don't need that anymore. You know the secret of a 33rd degree Mason now. Note how many of the astronauts themselves are brother Masons. Edwin E. Aldrin Jr., L. Gordon Cooper Jr., Don F. Easel, Walter M. Shira, Thomas P. Stafford, Edgar D. Mitchell, and Paul J. Weitz. Before his tragic death in a flash fire at Cape Kennedy on January 27, 1967, Virgil Gus Grissom was a Mason too. Astronaut Gordon Cooper during his epochal Gemini 5 spaceflight in August of 1965 carried with him an official 33rd degree jewel and a Scottish Rite flag. Via the lunar plaque, the Masonic insignia and flag, and the Masonic astronauts themselves, Masonry already is in the space age. Can we doubt Freemasonry and its spiritual relevance to the modern era when even its material representatives have today made historic inroads into the infinite expanses of outer space? Let's ask a question, you know, look, look, look at all the Masons it took to pull this off. I'm, I'm almost prepared to say that we couldn't have got to the moon without the Masons. What do you think, Jason? Think that's true? We couldn't have done the moonshot without Masons. Apparently we couldn't do anything without the Masons. Apparently. So let's ask the initial question. Did it happen? Is it real? If it is not real, then what do you now know about the world that you will never forget for the rest of your life? It's that simple. How long are we going to go and turn on the TV or go to a news blog and keep sucking from the tit of misinformation? That's got to end. We're going into a new era. We truly have a shot. And while as individuals, we can each choose our way, the truth of it is, is we're all connected. 
So even if I sit here in my little place in Rhode Island and I've already established where I'm going, if everyone else around me is in a different position, then that's still a pretty tough place to exist in. Just saying. We couldn't have done this without Masons. By the way, did it happen? Freemasonry will occasionally openly admit that the craft is a spiritual endeavor of sorts. Here is another quote attributed to Kenneth Kleinecht. The mission of the craft has always been one of salvation, but until now, its field of endeavor was the individual and the bringing of him to the light. Masonry cannot think in these terms now. All men everywhere must hear our message, or all men everywhere will perish. I don't hear engineers speak like that very often, do you? <laughs> he must know something about Covidius, which is a few decades in front of him. I mean, really. So you Masons are that important, and you're involved in lies that we can now demonstrate. Uh, I have never heard any apology for the lies. Uh, what's going on here, guys? Are you trying to say that you have accrued so much power that you now are in a position to decide whether people live or die? Because that's what it sounds like they're saying. What are they saying here, Jason? All men everywhere must hear our message or all men everywhere will perish. It sounds like they would like everyone to think the same way that they do. So I've got a little different way of thinking about things. We're into a new era here, or we're very on the cusp. Put it this way, we're not in the center of the dark ages anymore. We can prove this by the consciousness that's risen all around us. We can prove this by the young children who came into being in the late 90s and the amazing abilities that they had that their parents could never have had. This is happening now. And what I see is a secret society, which means they hide away from the light of day, which ironically is the thing that they're encoding and hiding, the sun, the light of day. And they're discluding 50% of everybody because women, for the most part, are not involved in this. So the very creative force of what it means to be in this 3D material reality is mostly excluded. Although, what is it? The Eastern star, which star is adjacent that acts like they're including the feminine? The order of the Eastern star. So there it is. So there's their token nod. So they've basically discluded in the decision-making and the day-to-day -day operations of what they're doing from 50% of this world. These things have a limited shelf life, I would estimate. And the claim on, you know, you hear our message or you perish, well, there's some truth to it. Look what we did in March of 2020. A lot of people heard the message, but ironically, those will probably be the people that perish. Um, these things, every day that we go forward now, they're going to scratch and get desperate and do Lord knows what kinds of things to remain. But let's just remind everybody, couldn't have went to the moon without these guys. Was the moon real? Did we go there? Or was everything to do with this a lie? James Edwin Webb who lived from October 7th, 1906 until March 27th, 1992, was an American government official who served as the second administrator of NASA from February 14th, 1961 to October 7th, 1968. James Webb oversaw NASA from the beginning of the John F. Kennedy administration and through to the end of the Johnson administration, thus overseeing all the critical first manned launches in the Mercury through Gemini programs, until just before the first manned Apollo flight. He was also the administrator who dealt with the Apollo 1 fire and its subsequent massive cover-up operation. James Webb was also, shall we all just uh, have a collective yawn here, 
a 33rd degree Freemason. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say about this bullet point is it isn't it interesting that he began on Valentine's Day right there at the heart. Let's just keep pushing by this. At, at some point, <laughs> it gets a little too Masony to talk about it, but here we go again. After the Apollo 11 mission, the Grand Lodge of Texas formed Tranquility Lodge Number 2000, named after Tranquility Base, the location of Apollo 11's landing. The following is from the Lodge's website. On July 20th, 1969, two American astronauts landed on the moon of the planet Earth in an area known as Mare Tranquilitatis, or Sea of Tranquility. One of those brave men was Brother Edwin Eugene Buzz Aldrin Jr., a member of Clear Lake Lodge No. 1417, AF and AM, Seabrook, Texas. Brother Aldrin carried with him special deputation of then Grandmaster J. Guy Smith, constituting and appointing Brother Aldrin as special deputy of the Grandmaster, granting unto him full power in the premises to represent the Grandmaster as such and authorize him to claim Masonic territorial jurisdiction for the most worshipful Grand Lodge of Texas, ancient free and accepted Masons, on the moon, and directed that he make due return of his acts. Brother Aldrin certified that the special deputation was carried by him to the moon on July 20th, 1969. Tranquility Lodge 2000 was chartered by the Grand Lodge of Texas for the purpose of promoting, encouraging, conducting, and fostering the principles of Freemasonry and to assist in promoting the health, welfare, education, and patriotism of children worldwide. The Grand Lodge of Texas is the first Grand Lodge to have a member step onto the moon, Brother Buzz Aldrin, in 1969. Tranquility Lodge 2000 is based in Texas under auspices of the Grand Lodge of Texas until such time as the Lodge may hold its meetings on the moon. Well, I'm going to make a prophetic guess here that masonry won't exist before they ever get a Masonic meeting on the moon. I'm going to state that I don't accept that it's possible to put a boot on the moon. I'm going to state that I don't accept that 3D material leaves our atmosphere. Those are the things that I am going to put forward. Everything that we've laid down about masonry, think of how many hundreds or thousands of people are involved in the making of the flags, the events, the ranking, the awards, the news, just all of it. Let's come back to the basic tenet. Did we go to the moon? If truly, beyond anything I will ever say or anyone else, if truly the answer is to that is no, we did not go to the moon then you now recognize the Fugazi nature of this place vis-a-vis authority. Because these guys are in everything. They're in the presidency. They're in aeronautics. They're in NASA. They're, They're everywhere. And here we are with one simple thing that we've got to work out. Did they go to the moon? All that effort, all that energy, all that pageantry, was it based on reality or was it based on a lie? If it was based on a lie, why would you do such a thing? Just think about these things and let it be the kind of barometer for all information you will receive for the rest of your existence. As we head in to this new era and the actions of us all are going to matter like they haven't mattered in quite a while. 
So that takes care of the moon aspect of this. Now we're going to get into the Manson stuff. All right, let's let's put a couple things on the table. Over the years, I've said a lot of things about what I like to call the skit that was Manson. And while the way I think about things and the way that I do research things, and by chance, when I was way back involved in law enforcement, I was given an assignment at a college course for, I think it was criminal justice or something like that. And we were handed the book Helter Skelter by the prosecutor, Vincent Bugliosi. And we had to read that. I've read that book a couple of times. So even before I was kind of catching on to where I would be later in life, I'm very familiar with what went on here. Back in those days, I had real problems with it. But as fate would have it, I can say where my intuition has led me, the logical reason that allows me to say, I am pretty darn sure about these things I'm saying, so sure that I accept them to be correct. But there's a man who wrote a book. I think it's a couple of years ago that it was published. It's called Chaos. And it's all about this. And what he did is what a good journalist is supposed to do. Go dig up the facts, the dates, the events, and show that you don't just have to listen to a guy named Crow, then go out and do your own research and put it together that way. You can realize that someone's been telling you this. Now, here's all the factual evidence. But to this day, you can go online, probably because of the book Chaos, and there's whole morbid channels. Let's go to the old Spawn Ranch. Let's go to where these people were supposedly butchered. What kind of a sick mindset have we gotten into when this very graphic butchery, as it was portrayed in the news, where people were sliced open, nine-month-old fetuses pulled from their mother? These are this kind of imagery that went out on the news that put the terror and changed this world in ways that it will never be able to be considered or thought about. It's too massive. But how is it that someone like Tarantino comes back in 19, 2019? You don't want to do it in 2020. No one will be sitting in the theaters. Got to get that done by 2019. He's going to rewrite the savage butchery that was reported. So let me ask you, if savage butchery like this really happened, and you were related to or loved people that it actually happened to, would you tolerate for a second someone making some Academy Award-winning reshuffling of such a heinous event? Just saying. And what is in the title of that movie? The Truth. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There's your truth. There's your title for everything we're about to lay down. So as Jason gets ready, let's cue it up. Okay, Jason, once upon a time in Hollywood, what happened, supposedly? Well, the mainstream story on the Tate-LaBianca murders goes as this. These were a series of murders perpetrated by members of the Manson family during August 8th and lasting into the 10th, 1969, in Los Angeles, California, said to be under the direction of Tex Watson and Charles Manson. The events took place either in Laurel Canyon or in one of the other nearby neighborhoods. The perpetrators were found guilty of killing six people on the night of August 8th to 9th. Pregnant actress Sharon Tate, whose unborn child died as a result, and her companions Jay Sebring, Abigail Folger, and Wojtek Frykowski, along with Stephen Parent. The following evening, the family also murdered supermarket executive Lino LaBianca and his wife Rosemary at their home in the Los Feliz section of Los Angeles. Um, 
my Spanish is failing me. I forgot I was going to look. Feliz Navidad is what? Merry Christmas. Um, so there's Felice for you, but let's just jump in. There's so many weird branding mechanisms and all this. So maybe I'll just take a minute and address this that Jason just read in that way. So people supposedly murdered here. Why is it all branded into a little word that comes off the tip of our tongue? Tate LaBianca. Why are two separate murder scenes all rolled into like one easy to roll off your tongue thing? And why is the Manson family a family? None of them are related. It's not a family. And how is it that Laurel Canyon, which we have recently taken so much time to break down, by the way, you'll have heard from Mike Williams, which is, you know, while he's doing the Beatles on the other side of the pond, it's like there's an umbilical cord going to Laurel Canyon. Why are all these things true? And when we start getting into it, why is it actors? That are involved in this. And then we have a billionaire Harris, Abigail Gail Folger from Folger's Coffee, I think. And even the other person is an executive. I just point these things as we go forward in time. But I will sh- tell you something that I wasn't even aware of because I didn't watch the Super Bowl, but someone sent me a clip of one of the commercials where actors are sitting there going, I'm saying all these things. Is it true? Or is I'm just acting? You know, actors going to be actors. This is the revelation of method at the end of the Dark Ages era. They're going to start just flaunting it in your face. So how is it that there were actors involved in this? How is it that the one person missing, uh, what's his name? What's the director's name? Roman Polanski, who has made the news a number of times for some pretty heinous things, supposedly, went off to Paris where he could be safe from all time. Uh, actually implicated, I believe, at the early portions is one of the suspects in this. He's a director of movies. And where is this taking place? Well, right there near Hollywood. All right, here we go. Let's go further. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Taking a look at Manson's official history, he was born to a 16-year-old mother named Kathleen Maddox in Cincinnati, Ohio, on November 12, 1934. He would start committing crimes in his early teens and spend a lot of time in various strict boys' schools, which he would run away from as often as he could. He committed numerous acts of crime and violence over the next years and would spend his life in and out of prison. By the time of his release on March 21, 1967, he had now spent more than half of his 32 years in prisons and other institutions, mostly due to breaking federal laws, which generally carry much heavier sentences. Interestingly, Manson told authorities that prison had become his home and he requested permission to stay. Well, you can't stay there, Charlie. We've got things to do. We've got this new script. It's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Let's get out and do it, boy. You're 32. Okay, you're going to be 33 next year. Uh, Federal laws he's broken, they say. Uh, This is part of what the book Chaos does such a good job of pointing out. Uh, He gets federal time for taking something out of a mailbox right? Because everyone knows that's a federal crime. And by the way, he's finally out, supposedly having begged to stay in because it's all he knew. But clearly they had a part for him in their new skit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's on parole and he just bails on his parole and goes up to the Bay Area, you know, for the uh, summer of love there. Hate Ashbury, the master of ceremony, Charlie Manson, got to be up there, right? So he's got to go. But after all this time in prison, federal time, much of it, he breaks his parole. Nobody does anything. 
Well, what happens? Well, he gets a new parole officer, of course. They're not going to throw him in jail. Have you ever known anyone to break parole that didn't get hit in the head with a side of a book? I never have, uh, let alone federal parole. But it gets better and better because at Hate Ashbury is going to be the epicenter of the PSYOP that has to do with LSD, the testing, the mind warping, the attempts to get someone's memory erased, put new memories in without them knowing it, on and on it goes. You can read about this in any number of things, the MK Ultra ideas, but guess what? Charlie's new parole officer is a PhD or a doctorate candidate, I believe, and he's running the free clinic right there at Haight-Ashbury. And what's he involved in? A drug study. There is no separating any of this from any of this, and this is the main story. We view these little things as individual issues or news reports or false, whatever you want to think about them, you got to blow open your view. It's all rotten to the core from the Beatles over in London, all the way to Laurel Canyon, all the way through the entirety of the hippie movement, all the way through the entirety of LSD and the normalizing of drugs, which normalizes itself all the way up to our era, where now the drug pushers are pharmaceutical companies, all perfectly legal. Even if you harm people, perfectly legal. But back in the day, when my grandparents were around, they tried to mark mainstream aspirin. They didn't want it. They didn't trust it. You want me to take this pill? I'm not so sure about that. But look how far we've come. But as we go in, we'll try to point out just how sweeping a Fugazi world this is. And I think that's really the main point, because once you recognize falseness, you can walk away from it and then you can get back to what's real. And then you can start contributing to a world and walk around as misinformed as I am or uninformed as I am, because I'd rather be uninformed than misinformed. Jason, what do you want to add before we wrap up hour one of 482 here? So things with Charles Manson definitely didn't go down as the mainstream said. Once you start digging even just a little bit, as always, you find things that completely deviate from what is normally said about things. Manson definitely was tied in with a lot of the crazy stuff going on with the extendedness of the Laurel Canyon scene. He was part of the manufacturing and then the destruction of the 1960s ideals. And he was really planted right in the heart of a lot of it. You know, it's funny how back in the day, like when I was younger, adults that were of the age I am now, they seemed more adult. You can witness this now. Go into older movies where there's people in their 50s and 60s. They have a sense of being more adult. And I remember as I was young, seeing like the prosecutor Bugliosi, and he seemed like such a staunch, upright, law-abiding man to everyone back then. And what turns out to be true is the exact opposite. This dude's breaking laws because he can get away with it. He's on the verge of being bat crap crazy. And by the way, that book I told you I was handed in criminal justice courses at a college, Helter Skelter, the entirety of that book is what everyone thinks is true of this case. What it actually is, is his perception of the case he's going to build to try to prosecute. In other words, this is what he's going to put forward as probably the reason for it all. It has no basis in reality. With that, I'm going to bring hour one of episode 482 to a close. We're going to take a couple minutes here, come back, knock out the other half of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because we're that portion of things. Hour one is free to everybody at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. 
and members can log in at the website for the full episode. Of course, they have free access to shoot the moon, which is all my scope work. By the way, it is my intention to begin shooting with a very large solar scope this spring and try to do for the sun, which is way more difficult what I did with the moon. With that, we're going to take a break and I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Hope to see you on the other side for our two. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing. 